sound doctrine. Sound doctrine is crucial. Now, I know you say, well, I'm 15. What does that matter? It matters a lot. It matters a lot about what you believe as far as what the Bible teaches you and building your doctrine upon the Word of God. Uh, let, let me say this. Um, there are some things that we may not agree with. It may not be a big deal. We can sit there and probably debate who are the two witnesses in Revelation chapter 11. You may say Moses and Elijah and uh, Enoch or John the Baptist. And we can go back. To, and that's not really that big a deal. I guess we'll find out when we get there. Yeah, uh, you, We could disagree on when exactly was Jesus born. Was he born on December 25th? Was he born in March? I don't know. I don't really care. <laughs> yeah, But we could disagree on that's fine. But one thing we can't disagree on is the gospel. That's something that we stand strong on. Uh, let me read you Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. The Bible says that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Anybody come to you and say they're a Christian and they're wrong on the gospel, then they're not a Christian. Paul talks a lot about that. Let me read you what he says in Galatians chapter 1, verse 8. He says, But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you other than that we have preached uh, unto you, let him be accursed. Uh, uh, that's how serious the gospel is. And here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, I, 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 I found some gospel truths, some truths about the gospel that I'm going to preach on uh, tonight. But if you got your Bibles, you're able to stand, please stand. In respect to the Word of God, we're going to read chapter 2. We're going to pick up in verse 8, and we're going to get down to verse 13. Verse 8 says, Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. I like that. There, there's the gospel right there. Uh, verse 9, Wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the Word of God is not bound. Verse 10, Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that, get this, that they may also obtain the salvation, salvation which is in Christ Jesus uh, with eternal glory. Verse 11 says, It is a faithful saying, For if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will, oh, look at this, he also will deny us if we believe not. Yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Father, feed us tonight one more time as we go to the Scriptures. And Lord, look at what your Word has to say. Father, I'm thankful for the Bible. Thankful, Lord, that you've given us a light to our, our path. Lord, what a blessing that is. And Father, I pray for the young people tonight as we, we gather before your, your word and feed tonight. Lord, I pray and ask, give each one of them something. I pray and ask again, if somebody here tonight's not saved, I pray and ask tonight be the night where they would settle that and call on you and be saved. Father, I pray and ask, Lord, that your church would be fed tonight and be edified and grow a little closer to Jesus Christ. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I uh, uh, want to. I don't know if it's around here a lot, but we have a lot of, for some reason, in our area, a lot of Jehovah Witnesses, and uh, and they do their door-to-door -door thing, and it's kind of fun around our house. Whenever they <laughs> they come to our door, I get a little excited because I, I got questions I like to ask them. I don't know. It's a little fun thing I like to do because I know they're not going to answer them biblically. Uh, and when they knock on the door, uh, I've actually got some videos where my kids recorded me uh, uh, challenging them in the scriptures to see them. Uh, you know, I. I'm hoping they'll get saved. That's the goal. But that t typically don't happen. They typically, typically run for the car as fast as they can because they don't have any answers. But one question I like to ask them is, I always ask them, what is the gospel? What is the gospel? And I always get the same answer every time they, they respond. They say, well, it's the kingdom that's going to come. And I'm like, and I nail them down. I say, are you sure? Is that what the gospel? Oh, yeah, that's what the gospel is. And then I always read them, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let me read you that, 1 through 4. It says, moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. Which, listen to this, which I preach unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. That's very important. 
by which also ye are saved. If you keep in memory what I preach unto you, unless ye believed in vain, verse 3 says, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scripture, and that he was buried and rose again the third day, according to the Scripture. Uh, Paul says clearly, I'm going to declare unto you what the gospel is. The gospel, listen, teenager, is the death the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's really that simple. But he talks about how important it is. He said, that's what we're saved by. It's the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he said, that's what we stand on. That's how vitally important it is. And, and, that's, and whenever I always bring, bring that up with a, a Jehovah's Witness, they always say, oh, wait, wait. I say, oh, no, you locked in. And Paul says, if you preach any other gospel, you know, <laughs> let him be a curse. No. But the gospel is vitally important. And that's why I believe in 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul was inspired to write down uh, some important things about the gospel. So I'm going to give you tonight in our passage four truths about the gospel. That's my outline for tonight. Four truths about the gospel. Let's jump right in. Number one, first, the gospel brings victory over death. Let's just start there. I think this is the fun part. I like this. Look down at verse 8. It says, remember that Jesus Christ, the seed of David, get this, was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Young people, that's the greatest news you're ever going to hear. Amen. Jesus Christ faced death and he won. You know why that's good news? We're all going to die. It's a point out a man wants to die. And, I, you know, I'm not a gambling man. I don't like to lose 50 cents. I just don't gamble. I don't, I'm a tightwad, you know. So I don't gamble. And you know what I don't gamble with? My eternal soul. I'm not taking a chance on any other religion, any other religion out there that says that, that this is the way to paradise or heaven or whatever. Yeah, whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm gambling on Jesus Christ because you know why? He faced death and won. He's the one that faced it. Now, let me use an illustration try and, and teach the point. Uh, a, a, a picture of me, Pastor Hammond, and Pastor Gable. We're on the edge of the Grand Canyon, and a wild grizzly is coming our way, all right? And, and, and we're panicking. I'm panicking. And, and Pastor Gable stands up. He says, don't worry. I can fly. I said, you can? I said, yeah, I can fly. He said, just jump on my back, and I'll get you guys down to safely. And, and yeah, we're having, it's a slow grizzly. He's taking his time. But, he, but he's man. He's coming at us. And, 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 and I said, are you sure? And, and Pastor Hammond stands up, but I can really fly. I was like, all right, let me see. And Pastor Hammond just raises his hands up, and he flies. And I was like, you know what? I've never seen you fly, but now I've just seen Pastor Hammond fly. Guess whose back I'm going to get on? <laughs> I'm going to get on the one that actually done it. You know what? I'm going to die one day. And one day I know I want to face, I want to make sure that I'm going to live forever. So I'm going to get on the one, Jesus Christ, that faced death, walked up out of the grave and won. That's some good news. That is some really, really, really good news. Because no other religious figure has ever done that. We could talk about why is Christianity better. There's just a thousand reasons I could give you. But the best one is that Jesus died and rose again. That's the gospel. He rose again. And I'll tell you why it's such great news because not only am I going to die but I got there's going to be people around me that's going to die as well and I want to give them good news and hope when my sister I shared with that my sister when she was in her, in her mid 40s uh, she got cancer it was terminal cancer and I remember being in a hospital and she was scared to death and, uh, and, 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 and praise God, I had some good news to give her. We nailed down her salvation while she was in a hospice, and we started talking about heaven. 
and uh, talking about the glories of heaven. Uh, we, I, I share, obviously, we went over the gospel. We nailed down things. And then after we got past that, she nailed down her salvation. I said, man, let me, uh, uh, says, honey, let me tell you about the, uh, the streets of gold. Let me tell you about the, the river of life. Let me tell you about the gates of pearl. Let me, and we just went through the scriptures. And as I was giving her that assurance, I just watched the fear go out of her eyes. She was so excited. You know, it gave her confidence and gave her hope because she knew the end was coming really fast. And she was excited as could be about it. She was, uh, you know, talking about family, talking about seeing the King of Kings. And, and I just seen her so excited. She got so excited. Now, my sister wasn't the church person so much, but there in the hospital, she looked at me and she goes, Let's go soul winning. <laughs> and I said, all right. And we're in a hospice and there's nurses all over. So that's all we had to do. I had my Bible. I grabbed some tracks and here she is in a walker weighing about 80 pounds, no hair. And, I, and she's walking real slow and, and she's handing tracks. I said, let me tell you about Jesus Christ. Man, I'll tell you what, that gave me hope. That gave me, I, that, that's the blessing that Jesus Christ faced death and won and that I could give her some peace. And as a pastor, uh, one, one of my jobs is I'm, I'm on the deathbed of a lot of people and I've used that to give people comfort when they're facing death and it always works why because if I would say let me tell you about Muhammad they'd be like well he's dead <laughs> where's the hope in that but let me tell you about Jesus because <laughs> he faced death and won and, and, and young people let me give you something else growing up I had a best friend his name is Dwayne and uh and their family at the time didn't go to church a whole lot. And, uh, and at 17 years old, he was in a car with a, a guy that he shouldn't have been with. And there was drinking involved and wound up in 1984 hitting a, a, a telephone pole. And he got flu to shock trauma in Baltimore. And on the way to shock trauma, he died. And I remember uh, uh, talking to his dad because he was my best friend. I'm 16, 17 at the time. He, he said, can I come over and talk to you? And this was like two days later. And uh, and, and I said, sure. So he come over. And I wasn't saved either at that time. And he, I remember him as a believer. He came over and he sat in my living room and he looked right at me. He said, i got to ask you a really important question. I said, what? He said, did he ever talk about the Bible? Did he ever talk about Jesus? Did he ever give you any assurance that he, where, that what he was hoping for? And I didn't have anything to given because I wasn't saved uh, and I don't know for sure if he was saved I don't know and, and, and but I remember looking in his eyes in that 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 pain oh I just need that assurance that I'm going to see him again one day young people let me tell you something the greatest gift you can ever give your mom and dad is that don't worry mom and dad if something happens to me I'll see you up in heaven that's the most precious gift you can give them. And you can say that. You can say that because Jesus Christ died and rose again. Number two, let's move on. Number two, the second lesson I hear is the spreading of the gospel brings persecution. We've been hitting this just a little bit. But I want you to look down at verse 9 what Paul says. He says, wherein I suffer trouble, get this, as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. I, I like that. He said, he, he said you know what? He said, I, I, because of preaching the gospel, he said, I'm where I'm at. Here he is coming toward the end of his life. And, and he's, uh, he's saying, but he said, he said I, I, I'm suffering trouble because of it. He's even been labeled as an evildoer. Yeah, I, uh, I, I had a... Um, I heard a preacher one time said, everybody loves the baby Jesus around Christmas, especially the merchants. <laughs> you know, they love, they love the baby Jesus because they can sell a lot of products at Christmas time, everybody buying everything for Christmas. But what they don't like is when the baby Jesus grows up and begins to point out sin. Let me read you John chapter 7, verse 7. It says, uh, the, word, uh, the world cannot hate you, he says, but me it hateth because I testify of it that the works thereof is evil. 
See, that's the problem with the lost world. They, uh, I've already preached on this this week, but, but when you, uh, when you uh, stand strong on the gospel uh, and you start pointing out sin and you, you start cleaning your life and separating from the world, what you're doing is you're bringing light into their world. And they don't like that. They don't like that. That's why they don't mind the baby Jesus. But when Jesus stand up, he said, I testify of the world because the evil thereof, that's when they have a problem. Let me read you John chapter 3 and verse 19 and 20. It says, and this is the condemnation that light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. See, a lost person don't like light. They don't, they don't like it. They said, why? Because their deeds are evil. Verse 20 says, For everyone that doeth uh, evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Young people, let me tell you something. When you're saved, you are the light of the world. And if you're not hiding that light under a bushel and you're exposing that light and you're, you're praising Jesus, the world's not going to be real happy with you. They just don't like that. And, and Jesus gives the explanation because you're shining light in a dark world. And they like darkness because darkness hides sin. And that's what they want. I, I had a friend who was a drywaller, and, uh, and he said, the one thing I don't like is light. I was like, why? He says, I, when you do drywall around windows, you got seams and whatnot. And he said, he said that light will expose it. He said, I love drywalling dark rooms because you can't see my flaws. He said, but you light a room up, and then the customer complains a lot. He said, it exposes flaws. And that's exactly, that's exactly what, when you're a light for Jesus Christ, and you get your light into a dark world, and they don't want the room lit up, they're going to like, oh, just get away from me. Take that light away because my deeds are evil and I don't want you shining the gospel. I shared this with you. I got angry messages. I've got uh, people, I remember one time we were out soul winning and there was some teenagers and you could tell obviously they weren't Christian and uh, we give, give them some tracts and we told them how to be saved and they got so angry at me when I handed the tract one literally bit the tract in half and spit it out. I said, did it taste good? You know, no. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, he got mad. He got aggravated. Why? Because that little track, again, just a little bit of light lit up his world. I, I, my, my son, I remember me and him was handing tracks out, and uh, we were, uh, 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 and he was all on fire for handing tracks out, and we was over visiting family one night, and our family wasn't saved, and it was a kind of a family reunion thing, and he didn't know no better, he, so he went up to my brother-in-law and started talking about the Bible, and, and now he could have talked about anything else in the world, but he started talking about the Bible to my brother-in-law who's not saved, and he said, hey, 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 hey. We don't talk about the Bible around here. You know, it, why? What happened? My son turned the light on. When you turn the gospel light on, it brings persecution. Folks, uh, young people, let me tell you something. Don't be discouraged. I know, I know, you, I know you're, you're in your Christian world. Praise God. You're in a good church. Praise God. Some of your homeschool, I talk to you. Some are Christian school. Praise God. But you're going to come a time in your life, and, and probably soon, where you're going to have people around you that may not be saved. And, and the peer pressure is going to come for you to compromise in your walk. And I know as a teenager, that's a real thing. That's a real thing. It may be a cousin, a relative that you see at family reunions, and they're going to turn the pressure up for you to be like them. Don't reverse the peer pressure. Make them want to be like you. Don't back down. Don't compromise on your standards. Don't walk over into their world. Uh, yeah, they may shun you. They may, they may uh, make fun of you. But stand up strong and don't let it bother you. I was doing a, we did a, a, a Christian uh, family roller skating night. And I wanted to try something. I, I, um, I knew most of the kids' testimony. I knew most of them was saved. And my nephew came and I knew he wasn't saved. And, uh, and, I, and, I, and, and we did a, did a little devotion in the middle of the 
the skating thing. We stopped the skating and everybody come down the middle and I did some preaching. And I said, I'm going to, I'm going to try an ex, a social experiment. Uh, you know how usually it says, you know, if, if you're at the end, you give the invitation. If you're not saved, raise your hand. We do that, you know. Uh, and sometimes, would you like to come forward and talk to somebody? We always, if you're not saved, come forward. I, I said, I'm going to do something different. I said, if you're saved, I'm standing out in the middle of the world rank. There's 80 kids there. I said, if you're saved, why don't you come beside me unashamedly and stand right beside me. Now, I knew most of the kids' testimony, and they all stood up. They skated right beside me. They stood beside me. And my lost nephew was not, lost, was not saved in the slightest. He got up with the crowd. He's like, because <laughs> he didn't want to be separated out, you know? you know? But that's what the world does to us. They, 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 they pinpoint us and they point you out and they'll say, you know what, you know, you, know, you ought to be like us. And then when you don't, you'll shame them. And that's what Paul was saying. He said, I was labeled as an evildoer. I was labeled. And in other words, they were, they were uh, characterizing him as somebody evil and trying to get him thrown in jail. Young people, let me tell you something. When you stand up and you shine the gospel in your life, whether it's a family member, a neighbor down the street, sometimes they're not going to like it and they're going to persecute you. Years ago, I preached a sermon on homosexuality, and, and you know, it was uh, it was Pride Month, and the Lord led me to preach on that. And uh, when I stood up and preached on it, I uh, 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 the church said Amen, but I, it was online, and you know, we, we put everything online. And uh, and then that sermon, somebody got mad, and they they took that sermon and they blew it up all over some of the local town Facebook pages, and it went all over the place. And uh, and next thing you know, my name was getting run down. I was labeled everything you could possibly. Have. I kept it straight with the scriptures. I didn't it didn't go off the scriptures i you know did it said exactly what god had said and uh and i wasn't mean about it i preached with love but i but i preached truth and man i tell you i got attacked i got hate emails i got threats i even had a couple of preachers going preacher going downtown today you better lock and load you know yeah but yeah it, it, it is what it is i don't care i'm not gonna budge on it we got to stand strong on the gospel we got to stand strong on the truth and because of that young people don't budge on it when the world comes and say no we want you to be just like me say no thank you i'm going to be like jesus christ number three let's move on number three the gospel requires endurance now remember well, matter of fact look down at verse 10 the gospel requires endurance verse 10 says therefore i endure all things for the elect's sake why we got to get this that they may also obtain salvation which is in christ jesus with eternal glory i like that he says, now, therefore, when you see what therefore is therefore, go to the verse behind it and find out what is therefore. Verse 9, he's talking about the persecution. He says, therefore, I endure all things. Endure means to continue in the same state without perishing, to remain and to abide. Why did Paul say, I'm going to endure the persecution? I'm going to do uh, whatever I can do. Why? Because he wants people to be saved. That's worth it all. That's what he's saying. As a matter of fact, if you've got your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 20 real quick. Acts chapter 20. I think we got an award time coming, I think. I believe so. We'll be quick. Acts chapter 20. Let me give you the context while you turn in there. I thought this was really interesting. Paul, in the context here, is standing before the, the uh, pastors, the elders at, at, at Ephesus. And uh, he's having a little pastor's meeting. And I want to look at some of the things he says in Acts chapter 20. We're going to pick up in verse 17. You got to say Amen. 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 You don't have it? Say, hold on, preacher. 
We get it. Okay, amen. Acts chapter 20, verse 17. Let's pick up there. It says, it says and from Miletus he sailed to Ephesus and called, for, uh, called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, look at this, he said unto them, You know from the first day that I came to Asia, after uh, what manner I have been with you at all seasons. All right? Verse 19. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind uh, and with many tears and temptation befell me by the lying in wait of Jews. In other words, he said, I, I, when I came to you, it wasn't easy. I faced persecution. I faced, you know, I mean, when you preach the gospel, here he goes again. He's talking about persecution. Verse 20, look down. He says, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you and have shown you all, shown you and have taught you publicly from house to house. He said, I did the work that I got to do. Verse 21, he said, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greek, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. He said, I faced trouble before. This is more like I'm going to go in, I'm going to face trouble, or I'm going into Jerusalem, all right? Verse 23, he said, Save that the Holy Ghost witness, uh, witnesseth in every city, say, saving, or saying these that bonds and afflictions abide me. Now look at verse 23. Now he talked about all the troubles. Look at verse 24. But none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Why did he finish strong? Why did he stay faithful? Because it's about getting the gospel out. He said, I, stay, uh, I faced persecution. I, I, I turned the light on in dark worlds and people got mad. They came after me. He said, I'm in jail and all this. He said, he said, but I got to preach the gospel. Woe unto me if I preach not the gospel of Christ. That's what he's called to do. I, and and I, I, you got to, young people, you got to endure. You're going to face persecution. It reminds me of this young lady that, uh, that was in our church. She was a bus kid years ago. She was like 14 or 15, and she, she, came, she came into the church, and, and uh, she wasn't saved, and, and she started coming faithfully to youth group and, and coming faithfully and serving, and every time the doors were open, she was trying to find a ride to get there, whether the buses were running or whether it was. She was going to be in church, and finally one day she got saved. Uh, she come up and, and asked how to be saved. We sat down with the Bible. We walked down the Romans Road and we showed her how to be saved. And she called on Jesus Christ and got saved. And, and, and now her family wasn't saved and uh, they weren't coming to church. They weren't church people at all. She was a bus kid, but she got all excited about being saved. Now, right at first, her family's, oh, that's, that's nice. She got religion. <laughs> that's a great thing. I'm really, I'm really happy for you. But the problem is when you're saved, you just can't keep it to yourself. You got the good news. You got the cure for the sin disease, Jesus Christ. So there's just a natural response that takes place when you get saved. You're like, okay, wait a minute. My sins are washed away. The doors of heaven are open. One day I'm going to be there. I want my family to go. And that's what started happening in her life. See, she wasn't just happy with, quote, unquote, what her family called religion. She started talking to her family about Jesus Christ. She just couldn't help herself. She loved her mom. Wanted to see her mom in heaven. She loved her brother. She wanted to see her brother in heaven. And she started sharing the gospel. And guess what happened? All of a sudden the family wasn't so happy <laughs> about this new religion that she got. And, and next thing you know, she started facing persecution. Every time uh, she would get in trouble, they, her punishment would be, well, you're not allowed to go to that church anymore. I've seen that happen a lot, a lot. Persecution. But, but she stayed faithful as long as she could possibly, uh, while, while she was a kid, she stayed faithful. Why did she stay faithful? Why did she endure persecution? 
because she wanted to see her family in heaven. No matter what she faced, she wanted to say, I, I, why do I say, well, that sermon I preached, whenever, whenever I got the hate emails and I had preachers calling me, say, be careful going downtown, you get, your name's being blown all up. I, you know, I could have said, oh, no, I quit, I'm done. <laughs> That's it, I'm done. I can't handle the persecution. You know why I stay faithful? Because I got family watching me. I got relatives watching me. I got people, I've been preaching on this all week. If I quit... If I quit, and, and, and there's a lot of other things. I've talked with some of the pastors here. Pastoring's not easy. You've got a lot of trials and tribulations you face, and, and the workload can be quite a bit. But, but like Paul says, he stayed faithful all the way to the end. And I do. Why? Because people are watching me. What happens if I quit? What happens if I say, you know what, I'm done, pastoring's too hard, youth pastoring's too hard, I'm done with all this, I'm just going to go back to my old life, I'm going to start uh, you know, framing houses, I'm done. You know, then people are going to say, well, how strong was your faith? Yeah. I, 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 yeah, you know, you preached really hard about the love of Christ enduring, and all of a sudden this little bit comes and you're running and you're done? See, see you've got to endure, and Paul's saying, for the gospel's sake. Because people around you are watching, and, I, and, and you want as many as you can. See, the greatest thing you can ever take to heaven, the only thing you can take to heaven is your loved ones and your family and those around you by preaching the gospel to everybody around you. And then lastly, number four. Number four, rejection of the gospel brings eternal judgment. I want to finish with this. Look down at verses 11 through 13. He said, Is it a faithful saying, For if we be dead with him... We shall also live with him. Praise God. I like that. Look at verse 12. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. But get this. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Now, now, what does it mean when Christ denies somebody? I, I, one passage jumped to mind. John 10, 27. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. That's a personal relationship with Christ. I got to say, boy, that's one thing that really jumped out at me. I had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Man, prayer is something fascinating. I just love to talk to my Savior. I just, there's just something about alone time and just going to Christ and just talking and, and, and just dumping my heart. That's, I got a personal relationship. He, I know him. Uh, I hear his voice with that conviction. I'm, I'm so familiar. I had somebody say one time, I can't wait to get to heaven because I'm going to look for those nail-scarred hands when I get there. I said, I don't need nail-scarred hands. I know his voice. <laughs> I've heard that voice ever since I got saved. You know, that's that, that, I know him. He knows me. He, you know, God is my father. He cannot deny me. That's what... That's what he's talking about. But to be denied by Christ is a passage I read when we were at church in Matthew chapter 7. Let me read you verses 22 and 23. It says, Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works, and then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Turn to Revelation chapter 20, if you would. We're going to finish here. I never knew you. There's no personal relationship with Christ. Rejection of the gospel has eternal consequences. Uh, Revelation chapter 20, this is the, the scene at the great white throne of judgment. Let's just do a, a expository. Let's go down verse by verse and just pull some, some thoughts out of it. In Revelation chapter 20, I'm going to pick up in verse 11. I'll wait till everybody gets there. You got it? Say Amen. amen. All right, Revelation chapter 20, look down at verse 11. He says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face, get this, the earth and heaven fled away, 
and there was no place found for them. That is one of the saddest verses. Jesus says, in my Father's house are many mansions. Uh, if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to what? Prepare a place for you. See, if you're saved, guess what? You got a place on this earth right now, but when you die, God's got a place for you in heaven. Now think about that verse. Go back to verse 11. I saw the great white throne and him that sat on it and says, for whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was no place uh, for them. They had died. Earth's no longer their home. They didn't get saved. Jesus didn't prepare a place for them. They can get saved. So there's only one place left. And they go on to describe verse 12. He said, I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open. Let's stop right there for just a minute. The dead, that dead people don't stand. This is talking about spiritually dead people. These are people that said no to Jesus Christ, said no to the gospel. They rejected the death, burial, and the resurrection. And now here they are. It says, uh, small and great, every, everyone from the beggar that said no under the bridge to Jesus Christ, rejected that tract that you wanted to give him, all the way up to the president that said, no, I don't want Jesus Christ. They're standing before God now. And it says, and it says the books were open. I do believe personally that those are the, the that's the Bible. I I believe, because Jesus says, my words is going to judge you. It says, in another book which is open, which is the, uh, the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. In other words, how, how bad their hell is going to be. And I, that's a horrible, horrible thought, that they're going to look, their name's not written, they've never been saved, and their sin is going to be judged. See, praise God, when I got saved, the day I got saved, my sin was judged on Calvary's cross. I don't have to face them. And that's what these people, these people are facing. It says in verse 13, And the sea gave up, their, uh, gave up the dead uh, which were in it, and, the, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. Verse 14 says, And death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. See, when God's done with something, it's all over. It goes into the lake of fire. And then we come to one of the saddest verses in the Bible. Verse 15 and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I've seen some hands go up this week, uh, not saved. I'm going to challenge you young people. If you're here tonight and, today and you're not saved, nail it down right now. The rejection of the gospel has eternal consequences. You'll say, well, I, I'm going to live to be 75 years old. No one knows what tomorrow holds. No one does. Deal with it today. Deal with it today. Get it right. The gospel, young people, is one of the most powerful weapons you have. The gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're here tonight and you're saved, hey, praise God. Commit to whatever God, whatever God wants in your life to get the gospel out. We all have a part in that. Whether you're a preacher, whether you're a deacon, a trustee in the church, whether you're a Sunday school teacher, whether you're the guy that comes and mows the grass, keeps the church lit up so we can come worship, we all have a part in getting getting the gospel out. But we also all got a commitment in personal evangelism, and that's telling everybody we know about Jesus Christ. Why do we do it? Because there's a place called the lake of fire, and we don't want anybody to go there. The devil wants to mess you up. I've been preaching on this and hitting this. I'm going to wind it up here. The devil wants to mess you up. He wants to get your testimony all messed up so you have no witness, you have no power in preaching the gospel, so the, your friends and your family around you won't be able to hear it, and then he can take as many to this place because he knows that's where he's going. He wants to take as many there. Young people, keep your testimony clean. Fall in love with Jesus Christ. Dig into his word every chance you get. Find his will in your life. 
Start today, commit to him, giving your life, your heart, and say, Lord, here am I. What wilt thou have me to do? And if you're not saved, make today the day where you nail it down and put it behind you and start your new life in Jesus Christ. Every head bowed.